The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com that's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C dot com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website, which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. In today's sermon, we move into the fifth chapter of the book of Revelation. Elder Buddy Abernathy has been taking us through this book in a very thorough examination of all of the symbolic language that we read here. One of the purposes of this exposition of Revelation is to show us how encouraging the message must have been to the first century saints. These saints were under great persecution, and they needed a message of encouragement. Everything in the book of Revelation is not literal. Much of it is symbolic. But everything in the book of Revelation points us to the throne room of God and to his son, the Lamb of God, which is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Join us today as we begin to look at the fifth chapter of Revelation in our series on the book of Revelation. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
fourth chapter of Revelation gives us a figurative view of heaven, in particular a figurative view of the throne of God in heaven. And it's important that we keep that in mind because the purpose of these descriptions is to convey to us concepts about God and his involvement here in this world, and it's written for our benefit. Remember in chapter 4 that we read about those four beasts around the throne of God and the 24 elders and some other things. And again, I believe the purpose of that is to help us to understand uh, concepts through a visualization of things about God. Now, chapter 4 ends with God being glorified as the creator. And for those of you that were here last time, you remember we ended with the last part of chapter 4. And notice in verse 11, this is the worship that is going on in heaven among the four beasts and the 24 elders. And notice he says in verse 11, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. You see, throughout the Old Testament, God is worshipped as the creator. That's why in the... Ten Commandments listed in Exodus chapter 20 that one of them says, remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. The remembrance of the Sabbath or the seventh day was to be in recognition and remembrance of God as the creator. And we know that on the seventh day he rested from his labors. That doesn't mean he was tired, but that means he had completed his work and his people in the Old Testament were instructed to regularly remember that Sabbath day. Now, as we enter into chapter 5, the focus here is not on God the Father, but it's on Jesus Christ, who will be referred to, among other things, as the Lamb of God. And this is near the end of the chapter, but just keep in mind that Jesus is worshipped not as the Creator, although we understand that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost are one, and Jesus was involved in creation. Yet here he's particularly recognized and worshipped as the Redeemer. And if you'll recall, in the New Testament, they no longer worshipped or focused so much on the conclusion of God's creation on the Sabbath day, but they began worshipping on the first day of the week in recognition of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now that doesn't mean that we no longer glorify God as the Creator, but it's interesting to notice that that distinction is made between 
the throne of God in chapter 4 and the Lamb of God in chapter 5. God is worshipped as the Creator. Jesus is worshipped as the Redeemer. So we want to begin today in chapter 5. John writes, And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne, and that's God, a book written within and on the back side sealed with seven seals. Now just to understand what this book looked like, this was not a book that is like the books we're accustomed to today that uh, have a binding. But rather, books in that day were like what you might recall uh, that at one time were used in graduation ceremonies. You know, today you receive a folder with a certificate uh, in the folder, but maybe you've seen some graduation cards, or maybe some of you have even attended graduations where it's a, a scroll rolled up and it may have a ribbon wrapped around it and tied. Well, that's the idea here. But instead of a ribbon, just think of it as a seal, like a piece of tape would hold together that piece of paper rolled up. But now this book, as we'll read about, was put together in this way. There was one of those scrolls that was rolled up and was sealed so it, would, so it would stay together. And then there was another one rolled around that that was then sealed and another one rolled around that that was sealed. So that's what's under consideration here when he talks about a book sealed with seven seals. You have to look at the first uh, scroll first. You remove that seal and you can look at that piece of paper or those pages. And it's written on the first and front and the back. And then you can look at the next scroll. So notice he says, I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the back side sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. This is not just, as we might say, your run-of-the-mill angel. This was a unique angel. And we'll see why. A strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book and to loose the seals thereof. Now, eventually, we're going to learn all about this book. But so far, you see that evidently this is a very important book, and not just anyone can open it. And as a matter of fact, the angel is proclaiming with a loud voice who's worthy to open it. In other words, at this point, it appears that there's no one qualified to open this book. And he says, verse 3, And no man in heaven, nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And notice it says, no man was able. That means not only were they not permitted, 
but they didn't have the ability to open the book. Verse 5, or verse 4, And I wept much, this is John speaking, because no man was found worthy to open the book and to read the book, neither to look thereon. Now, why is it that John would be weeping? Well, remember this book was taken from God who was on the throne. Notice in particular, it says that I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book. So if there's a, throne, if there's a book in the right hand of God as he's seated on the throne, and that book is sealed with seven seals, and it's written on each side of each page, then Obviously, that's a book that we would like to know the contents of. I would say that's a very important book. And John's weeping because there's no one worthy to open the book. And you know, that's the attitude we ought to have toward God's Word. You know, people may say, well, I really would like to know all about this book. Well, we're going to learn a lot about it, but you already got a book that's really more important for you in this world. And you have the privilege to open this book and read the contents of it. Verse 5. And one of the elders said unto me, Weep not. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah... The root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Now, not only does this verse make it clear, but the following verse will make it clear that this is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And notice it says that one of the elders, one of those 24 elders around the throne, Tells John, weep not because the line of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book. So now we're going to see here in Revelation that not only is Jesus referred to as the root of David, but he's also referred to as a lamb. And that's what Isaiah is prophesying about here in Isaiah chapter 53. Notice here in Isaiah chapter 53. Now this refers to him not as the root of David so much as it does another aspect about him. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. But notice here back in uh, Revelation chapter uh, 5 and verse 5, one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. And here's referring back to what Isaiah said, And I beheld, and lo, in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as it had been slain. So obviously this is 
referring to Christ. Notice there the word lamb starts with a capital L. A lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Now, you may say, well, this symbolic language is hard to understand, but remember, we're not trying to find out what every little detail represents. We're trying to get an idea, and so far, the idea is not complicated. Here is God on the throne in heaven, Chapter 4 is described, God on the throne and that which surrounds the throne. And now we're reading about a book with seven seals in the right hand of God on the throne. And no one is found worthy to open the book until this proclamation is made by the elder when he says, The Lion of the tribe of Judah, the Root of David, hath prevailed to open the book. And he describes this lion. Uh, he describes the root of David in chapter uh, verse 6 as a lamb as it had been slain. So there's a book in the right hand of God and Jesus alone is worthy to open the book. Now when you think about this lamb as it had been slain, look at Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8. Revelation 13 and 8 says, And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, so you won't be confused. Here he's referring to those that are not the children of God, that do not fear God, that uh, that uh, don't worship the Lamb of God, but notice how he, he describes those whose names are written in the book of life as those that are of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Now, if you read that context, you'll see that he's referencing those whose names are not written there, but that implies there are names written there, and the names written or in that book, are described this way. It's described as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Notice that gives us a, an additional detail to what is mentioned here in Revelation chapter 5. In verse 6, he refers to a lamb as it had been slain. The text we just read in Revelation 13 refers to this lamb as being slain from the foundation of the world. What does that all mean? That just means that it was the purpose of God in Christ before the world began that Jesus would be slain for the sins of His people. So everything we're reading about here thus far in Revelation chapter 5 is a reverence to Jesus who is the Lion of the tribe of Judah the root of David, the Bible in another place says he's the root and offspring of David, uh, letting us know that he existed with God the Father before David was ever born, and yet from a natural stance, as the Messiah, 
as the Redeemer. He was the offspring of David. He came through that line. So this is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. It's the Root of David. It's the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So this this Lamb, Jesus Christ, was the only one that could open this book. Now that's all we know so far. We don't know anything about the contents of the book. Why Jesus is the only one that can open the book. Or what this is all about with regard to our life today. Look at verse 7 now. Well, first of all, notice the end of verse 6. Jesus, this lamb, is described as having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Now you remember earlier in chapter 4, he talks about these seven spirits of God, so we'll not go into detail on that, but it's mentioned here again for a reason, and the reason it's mentioned is to let us know that Jesus as God is involved in the affairs of this life. He knows what's going on in this world and he is involved in it. That's what he means when he says this lamb had seven horns and seven eyes which are the seven spirits of God. And you remember that doesn't mean that God has seven spirits in terms of their person. But God has seven spirits in a figurative sense from the standpoint that the Spirit of God singular is multifaceted. And we looked at some of the ways that the Spirit works, whether it be in the new birth, whether it be in the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, whether it be in calling men to preach, whether it be the Lord reviving the church. But here he's talking specifically about Jesus, the Lamb of God in heaven, that He is involved via the Spirit of God in the affairs of this world. And that involves, as we'll see later, your life today. In the same way He was involved in their life in the first century. Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.